Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. And welcome back to another episode of Holding Down the Four. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynch Troop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yes, it's been great having you. I feel like I'm saying that every episode now, but it's truly been great having you and having you share your perspective on the show as an active duty military spouse of 11 years and a mother of two and an advocate for mental health. So thank you for (laughs) being with me and uh, adding to the conversation as always. Okay, so we are excited because every time we get to do another episode, it means that we get to interview another incredible person in our community and advocating for our community. So I'm going to go ahead and just read this bio for all of you. I want to introduce you all to Dr. Jerry Lynn Maples. As the wife of a veteran injured in service to our country in Operation Iraqi Freedom, Dr. Jerry Lynn Maples advocates, educates, and dedicates her life to serving our veterans and their families. Her doctoral dissertation titled Surviving the Invisible Wounds of War as Told by the Unseen Heroes focuses on her personal story as a National Guard military spouse turned caregiver and the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury upon National Guard and Reserve military spouses and their children. She also is the chapter director of the Day in Ohio Blue Star Families and the 2020 Elizabeth Doe Fellow for Ohio. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm so glad that I had found you on LinkedIn. That's kind of my way of (laughs) connecting with our community. A lot of us are on there. And more importantly, just who you are and what you do for our military family. And I know we're talking offline a lot about that. And so for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you just share a little briefly what life looks like for you nowadays? Because I know that you had just started the Dayton Ohio Blue Star Families chapter over there. And I imagine it was an interesting experience having started it in these interesting times. (laughs) Yes, yes, it certainly was. I had been to D.C. to our big launch and release date for our Military Family Lifestyle Survey for 2019. Right at the end of February, I came home. I think I was only on the job maybe five days at that time. And I came home, had two in-person meetings, and then I was confined immediately to my family room in the basement with this makeshift office. So, (laughs) But thankfully, you know, I do have a lot of connections in the Dayton and Cincinnati region that I had already had the ability to connect with with previous roles. So it wasn't too difficult for me to transition into a virtual climate. So I just immediately set into action. But well, I think life right now is really, it's really kind of challenging from, you know, a perspective of really wanting to get out there and get back into the community. But at the same time, you know, being a caregiver, A lot of caregivers are kind of tasked with this difficulty of their spouses or their sons or daughters, whoever they're taking care of and whoever they're 
you know, daily lives is just really kind of transition to this adapting to normalcy for that person that they're providing care for, whether it's, you know, a challenge of going to an appointment or Mm. a change in routine. I know for me, I've really kind of had to kind of guide my husband into this new COVID routine and it's been really challenging. So it's probably like that for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I can only imagine how much more challenging it is as a caregiver and someone who needs to go to, you know, the doctor possibly frequently. I was just telling my husband yesterday, I was like, honey, I think we need to like maybe consider going vegan or something because just the way that we're eating right now, (laughs) like I'm not saying we need to go to that extreme, but like even as a healthy person, you know, and I just got the notification that I need to do like my annual checkup, you know, to go to the doctor's. I was just thinking like, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to see my doctor. Like, I'm so glad I went like earlier this year, you know, to get blood tests and all the normal stuff. But I just think that this time, it just seems like there's just a lot of anxiety and fear for me to go to the hospital. And so I can only imagine what it's like to have that routine that where you have to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, my husband doesn't, he doesn't like virtual visits and he doesn't adapt well to the get to the parking lot, call, let me know you're here and wait to come in. He has a real problem with that. So it's been a real adjustment. And if technology doesn't work, he gets frustrated. So it's really been a challenge. I'm guessing that it's a lot of people kind of have that anxiety, but it's probably double that for persons like, you know, my husband with a traumatic brain injury and and all that. So. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, this is totally not in comparison to anything of your situation. But I was just thinking too that we had recently taken our dog to the vet and we had to cancel his second appointment because I just didn't like how the first appointment went. Like right now, the vets like pick up your dog and take them, you know, inside and they take care of him for you. But our dog, unfortunately, he doesn't like that. He's a little more on the anxious side. And so we had to like wear a mask and sit outside on the porch to talk to the doctor and the exam just like did not go well. And after that, I just thought, I was like, I don't like my dog's fine. Like he's a dog. Like he will be fine. I was like, I just don't want to deal with the the anxiety of going to a medical environment. And so, like I said, it has nothing to do with, there's no comparison to what, what your situation is, but it just reminds me of just this overall maybe fear and anxiety around like our health nowadays and, and having to stay at home, but also having to take care of our health if we have to and go to the doctors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have that same situation with our puppies too. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So I totally, I totally can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think the other side of that is you were able to put on a mask and kind of be involved. Mm -hmm. Whereas for a military caregiver like myself, I have to explain, especially to the civilian world, Mm that I'm my husband's military caregiver. So I have to come in with him because a lot of times they're restricting who can go in and with individuals into the Uh hospital or into the ER. He was suffering really bad headaches about a month and a half ago. And Uh I literally had to beg Uh to say, I have to go Uh into the Uh hospital with him. He's not going to go in there without me. I'm his caregiver. I need to be involved. And It was a real challenge to get them to understand, you know, who a military caregiver is and why it's so So it really is challenging on many different levels. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, for people that are hearing about Blue Star Families for the first time, Jerry, why don't you share with our listeners, what is a Blue Star Family? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. So at Blue Star Families, we obviously serve our military families in the community, but we also encourage civilian families to be involved as well, to be part of our members. But here in the Dayton community, there's 11 or 12 of us across the country. We each have our chapter. So we have different regions from the West Coast, East Coast, down South in Florida, even in New York City. But here in Dayton, like you said earlier, we are a brand new chapter. But a Blue Star family can be an active duty family. It can be a veteran family, a caregiver family, any kind of status within the military. But what they do is they are actually members free. Membership is free. And we as a chapter involve them in all different kinds of programming, whether it be from spouse force, where we help military spouses become, you know, gain the tools and gain employment with our partners out in the community, whether it be through Amazon. I know we work real closely with them. Even our caregivers. We Mm -hmm. have a phenomenal caregiver program where a young lady by the name of Amy oversees that. And she works with our military caregivers to help them gain the skills to prepare to get back out into the employment world that is kind of adapted to them, right? Mm -hmm. So if they want to work remotely, because they feel better to do that, then they're able to do that. But we support the children as well through our programming. Right now we're doing Blue Star Summer Camp. So this week we did aerospace and the kids got to go to virtually to a museum yesterday and see all kinds of neat little airplanes and things like that. But we really, you know, Blue Star Family is is really just kind of um, no matter what state, what status of the military you're in, we welcome them and it really is special to be able to do that because especially nowadays, mm-hmm. they need that. The kids need that. And we had to transition all of our programs to virtual. So mm-hmm. we do parks to kids day instead of kids to parks because <laughs> you <laughs> can't take them to the park right now. But, you know, it really is just kind of a way to help engage the community and let civilians know that, hey, this is unique about military families. Let's help you understand what it is about military families that is unique so that you can have the opportunity to kind of see what you have to offer, right? Mm-hmm. And see what ways you can support, especially from, you know, an employment standpoint or an education standpoint. So very awesome. Of course, we all wish we could do it all in person, but it sounds like <laughs> you all have adapted just fine and you're still able to offer these amazing programs to, you know, really the families, the kids and even civilians. Yes, yes. You know, and I think that's one of the things about that makes Blue Star Family so special is we do want to get our civilian community involved. You know, we do have a a great relationship with Starbucks as well. And my Starbucks here in Dayton, we have joined forces together to do Starbucks coffee taste and chat. So next week we'll be doing coffee taste and chat. And they're so awesome because they're sending samples out to those who register so that we can learn about the coffee together. But then we have a theme each week. You know, the first time we did it, we talked about self-care, which is really important amidst COVID. Next week, I'm going to focus on time management because that's really important too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Families who are balancing employment and childcare and puppy care and, you know, all these different things. But time management is key. I don't know about you guys, but I find that it's really hard for me to separate myself from work and family because 
I know there's an email waiting for me, you know? <laughs> and so I'll be watching a movie and remember that I forgot to do something. And with my office right across the way, it's so easy for me to get up and just go do that. And yeah. so that's probably like a COVID symptom. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. A COVID home time management symptom. <laughs> Yeah, lack of uh, personal boundaries and uh, yes. and a bunch of things. So Jenny Lynn, I saw your head nodding a lot. And I know that, you know, you started your work, what you're currently doing, working from home, really, in this entire time. So I, I thought I'd check in with you and see if you had any thoughts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the work-life boundary thing is really interesting, especially as a mom of elementary school-age boys. I will say that I'm thankful that the office I'm sitting in in my house has a door and I've just really had to learn like to shut the door. I can't just constantly go because I would always be doing work or something and not present upstairs. My office is like the only little room downstairs. So I kind of, that helps. There's like a whole flight of stairs between my office and like the rest of the house. So that's been helpful. And, you know, it's great listening to Jerry talk about Blue Star Families. We've been a huge fan of Blue Star families for years, especially at our last duty station, which was not a traditionally military town. But to have the museum program is probably my favorite thing that Blue Star family says. And we would go to our local museums for free. It provided us a way to get to know the community we were a part of and also not have the burden of like exorbitant museum costs <laughs> in the great Northeast where we were before. And I also love the survey they put out every year. I actually take the survey every year and participate because it's fascinating to me to learn about all the different pieces and parts that make up the military community. So I'm always on the lookout for the newest data that comes out of those. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because, you know, this year we're actually launching that on September 8th. So it's a little behind because of COVID, but I'm excited every year to see that as well. I've, you know, even before I came to Blue Star Families, I was using that data because, you know, I'm an academic nerd. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, having that data is so valuable and interesting enough, it really does give folks like Jenny and her family the ability to voice the things that are important to them. Mm -hmm. And whether it be, you know, what is working and what is not working, But, well, this chapter is brand new, so I'm really excited to be able to learn about what the families in Dayton have to say. You know, what what is that data going to look like when it starts to become, you know, heard and their voices start to become heard? So I'm really excited about that because it is an opportunity to help us understand and tailor the things that need to be tailored to serve our military families in the best possible way. So thanks for bringing that up, Jenny. And I'm so glad to hear that you're a fan of Blue Star Families and benefited from a lot of our programs. Um, They really are instrumental in in making a difference for our military families. So I'm honored to be able to have this opportunity. I couldn't think of a better position for me to be a part of. So I'm excited. And I look forward to many, many years in Dayton. So it sounds like, I mean, the data is really fascinating to me every year that it comes out. But I imagine from a military caregiver standpoint, like you're really pumped about the way that Blue Star Families is able to actually make real change in the community. I mean, that's probably one, I'm a data nerd and I think it's fascinating to look at all the little wheels and the colors and all the things and learn that I, as an active duty military spouse, I'm like, 
0.28% of the entire American population. That's a statistic that always blows people away. But, mm. you know, I know through the years, I continue to take the survey, especially from a mental health and healthcare standpoint, because that seems to be the place where we really need a lot of support. And Blue Star Families through the survey really is able to kind of push some of that through. So super helpful. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up, you know, especially the caregiver piece. You know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve my fellow military caregivers here in the state of Ohio, especially being, you know, the Elizabeth Dole Fellow. So many things really, you know, I have a lot of goals in that role. And one of them coming from the education piece, because, you know, as a military caregiver, you know, we do sometimes get to the point where we're like, you know, I'm going to be in this role and what can I continue to do? How can I continue to serve? And education for me has been a real opportunity to continue my work. I wouldn't be where I am today without it. So I'm a huge education advocate. So when it comes to the survey, I want to know what is the education level of of our caregivers? Where Mm. can we grow opportunity-wise to help empower them? I'm a better caregiver because I was educated and had took those opportunities. So I'll give a shout out to Thanks USA. Thanks USA was a huge advocate for me being in the education through their scholarship program. I can't say enough about that organization. I wouldn't be here where I was today without their scholarship opportunities. So big shout out to them. But from a state level, I want to see our state actually empower military caregivers so that they can have opportunities to seek higher education, whether at no cost, that would be my ultimate goal, no cost, but low cost if possible. (laughs) But, you know, I'm anxious to see what our survey is going to say from a caregiver standpoint on what are their education goals and things like that. You know, do they need more undergrad opportunities, more graduate opportunities? So I'm anxious to see what that's going to say. But, you know, I also want to know, do they feel welcomed in their community? Do they feel understood? Mm -hmm. You know, all these things. And what does it look like financially? You know, we did at Blue Star Families for 10 weeks, we did a pain points poll. And I might get a little emotional telling the story, but I had a caregiver respond to this pain points poll through COVID, which was looking for what are you experiencing right now? And she was having to choose whether to feed herself or her spouse. Wow. And Mm -hmm. I immediately took action and had her food on the table within 24 hours, but I couldn't imagine being in that situation. So that's just one powerful impact that I've had from my basement right? (laughs) Working from my basement. But that's the opportunity that I've been able to do so far. So even though I'm from my basement, I'm still making a difference. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Do you find it's easy for people to identify as military caregivers? I've heard you say a lot that you're looking forward to the survey results because you want to know. And from an active duty perspective, I've just now kind of come around to the fact that I can identify myself as a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not have years ago. And I find it's really difficult, especially for military spouses, because we have this all like, I can do all the things I've done all the things I can continue to do all the things to identify oneself 
as a caregiver, despite all the things you continue to add to your plate that are in fact caregiving? Do you think it's easy to identify those people or to have them identify themselves? You know, that's a really interesting question. And I don't really know the answer to that. What I can say is that there's a lot of caregivers out there who are caregiving that don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it needs more exposure, if that makes sense. I did not consider myself a military caregiver until I was introduced to the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. And I think it's because I didn't realize I just went into mode, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, my husband came home in 2004 from Iraq. I remember the first time I had to call for help. And that was a different time back then. You know, the time was completely different. There wasn't a lot of programs in place. We didn't know about traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. So I just went into action and knew that I had to save my family, right? We almost lost our home. I've almost lost him three times. I knew that I had to take action for my family to survive. And it wasn't until 2011 that I even heard the term military caregiver. And I had to ask myself, Yes, I take him to appointments. Yes, I am on the phone advocating for him. Yes, I do all these things. I am a military caregiver. Mm -hmm. So I often ask other spouses, do you do these things? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, yes, Jerry, I do those. And I said, you're a military caregiver. And they they never really realized it because they didn't understand. And then I want to get them involved, right? So Mm -hmm. so that's part of my mission too, is um, to help them understand and help them see that they are a military caregiver. So I'm not really sure, Jenny. I think it's a come to terms thing. It's an exposure thing. And I know Jen and I were talking back a couple weeks ago when we first chatted about a mentorship and how I kind of see myself for those young military spouses who are mm-hmm. coming up to answer that question of what if this happens? And, mm-hmm. and my dissertation is really kind of focused on, I would love them to read it because I was not prepared yeah. for what happened to me. When my husband went in the, when I married him, I was 20. <laughs> so I was a little, I was younger than my daughter is now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was this wife and we lost a baby right after Mm -hmm. that happened. And about three months into our marriage, we lost our first baby. And I remember he had to go to drill or he was going to get busted rank. And I put that in my dissertation. Mm -hmm. I was angry, but I didn't understand what it meant for the call to service. I didn't understand that. So as a, you know, now, you know, we've been married for next year to be 30 years. And I was all these years a military spouse. And then in two eras, I realized when I was writing my dissertation that I was a pre-9-11 spouse and a post-9-11 spouse. So I had two different experiences in two different worlds. The worst thing that my husband went to before 9-11 was floods and tornadoes. And then he, you know, after 9-11, I knew right then that day that our world was changed. And so there's those two levels of fear, right? I think the first time I ever got scared was when he was going to work at the Olympics in 96 and the bomb went off Mm. and there was no cell phones back then. So I I couldn't call him or at least we weren't rich enough to have a cell phone back then. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) But, you know, I think that was the first time I was ever scared, but there was two different scareds, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I would like to be a mentor to those and really kind of be 
that wit method of preparedness for those spouses who are haven't really had that experience that I've had just to be prepared because you know I don't want to ever see anyone go through what I had to go through and I'm just grateful to be able to to give back in that manner yeah absolutely it sounds like to me that the way that you made sense of of everything you went through is uh, going back to what you describe yourself as an education nerd, (laughs) (laughs) doing that research. And I appreciate you bringing awareness to what a military caregiver is, because even I was unaware of that. And I think that when we choose or we find ourselves in this military life, a lot of labels we're unaware of, or there's a lot of descriptions we're unaware of, that if we just knew about them, we would know what resources could potentially be available you know, to us. And so I think it's wonderful that with everything that you went through and thank you for sharing all of that. And I understand that you're probably very candid about this because it is in your dissertation and you actively openly talk about it, but I, I appreciate you sharing it again. And I hope that it's a way for our listeners to find that reassurance because I find that people that do listen to our show tend to be new. They tend to be new spouses or they're young, they're young in the service. And they don't know a lot. And before they can try to figure it out, they have to move again or, you know, something changes. And so I really appreciate you being on to share that you've been through all that experience, you know, pre post nine, pre nine 11 and post nine 11, and that you really want to be a resource to our military families today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real honor to be able to do, to do what I do and educate. And you're so right. There are a lot of labels And those often are associated with resources that they don't really know is available to them, you know, whether it be scholarship or Blue Star family programs, right? Just so many things. And to be able to give that back to our community is amazing. And, you know, I'm not a podcast person like like you both are, but I did start this new new program called Flyer Talk which is based off UD, Jenny, (laughs) which is on Fridays. And it is that ability. It brings that ability for 30 minutes every Friday to align resources with those out in the community in a way to help families realize that, hey, these things are available. And, oh, wow, I didn't know about them. Or maybe I qualify, Mm -hmm. you know, those types of things. So that is part of my mission. But I also, I find a lot that when I do talk with families, they just, sometimes there's so many things that are available that they get lost. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to educate them on that and list them, you know, I have the, uh, some of them listed on our Blue Star Families page for Dayton, but you just can't cover them all. So it's the conversations individually with them that help me think, oh, you know what? I can help you. Here's this. So I'm one of those people who love to talk to families one-on-one and get to know them and best align them with things. It's it's a miracle how many things I've collected since 2004. (laughs) (laughs) I I would probably be as rich as Bill Gates (laughs) if I had a dollar for every place I've connected with since 2004. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Jerry, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I do want to talk just a little bit about your dissertation because we've hinted at it a number of times now. And so can you tell us a little bit about it and how I think you're, in in my perspective, you're using it as a tool to empower our community, you know, to be more aware of, you know, PTSD and traumatic brain injury. 
Yeah, thanks for asking. So my dissertation is available. I did publish it on Barnes and Noble. So it is available to for purchase on Barnes and Noble. Very but cool. I did that because I didn't want it to be just this academic work sitting in, in a digital library. And I mean, let's be serious. Who really reads those, right? <laughs> not, not the average everyday citizen is going to go look for Jerry Maple's dissertation, right? So I wanted to reach military families. I wanted to reach those out in the civilian community who wanted to understand what military life was like. And I wanted to bring awareness to military caregivers because like we said before, they really oftentimes maybe don't even realize they're a military caregiver themselves. So my dissertation is an opportunity for people to identify themselves and see themselves in my story. So what I did was I went all the way back to my childhood and I asked myself, where did my origin of strength come from? Because I had to realize that it was my strength that I developed to be able to manage all the things that I manage and to be the best caregiver I could be to my husband. And so it's my story. And, you know, for those out there listening, everyone has a story mm-hmm. and your story can make a difference. And I realized that while I was sitting in my PhD class and my professor asked me to write a scholarly personal narrative, which I shed tears. And it was then that I realized that it was my childhood and all the challenges that I had went through that made me the strong person I am today. So I started off with realizing that I was a National Guard spouse. I remembered the times when we were struggling financially, Mm -hmm. when I had to literally ask my mom if she would buy diapers because my husband was, he wasn't able to get a job because a lot of, at that time in that post, in that pre 9-11 era, employers didn't want to hire a weekend warrior. That's what they Mm -hmm. labeled them, a weekend warrior. Oh, well, you're going to be gone for two weeks in the summer. I can't have that. Like that was the attitude back then. Um, And we lived through that the whole time he was dedicated to service. It didn't matter that we were struggling and that we had our cars repossessed. We had all these things Mm. happen to us. We continued the path, the service. And when he did leave, a whole host of other things happened. So what I did was I interviewed five other military caregivers who ranged from the National Guard or Reserve. And I connected it to education. And I also focused on the educational challenges from our kids And what I realized was we all had very real similarities. We all went to our moms. (laughs) You know, we all had that connection with our moms. We all had similar challenges. So these were all the themes that came out of this. Our children in their educational setting face similar challenges. I literally had a teacher tell me that my son should be fine because his dad came home. Wow. And I said, no, life does not work that way. You know, I had a young lady who was bullying my daughter because she thought that her parents' taxes paid for all the stuff that she had. Oh, wow. I was like, no. Um, And I had to watch her defend her dad's wounds Mm. via text message and crying. And so these are the things that our family has endured, but they've all made us stronger Mm -hmm. and closer and the mission much stronger, right? The mission to serve and help others out in the community understand that these are the unique things about a military family 
And these are the things that we sacrifice. And at the same time, help caregivers understand that you're not alone and also be that sense of preparedness for those who, you know, unfortunately may come after because, you know, I think sometimes we forget that our service personnel is still there. They're still in Iraq. They're still in Afghanistan. They're still stationed across the world and traumatic brain injury and PTSD is not going to go away. And I will say this too. I will add this. Even in our families, they look at my husband and they think he's fine Mm. because they don't see those wounds. They don't see those struggles. They don't see the frustration. They don't see the headache, the things that he has to endure on a daily basis, the chronic pain, all these things. They don't see that because they're not here. So when you see him out in the community, they think he's just fine. Mm -hmm. So invisible wounds can be a real challenge, but they're real. And so my dissertation kind of covers all of that and wraps it up in how education's made a difference. One of the spouses that I interviewed is a doctor as well and a professor. Some of them are still striving to get to their, to seek higher education and they're amazing. They're amazing. And so I was honored to interview them and share their story. And I will say that I probably made Kleenex very, very rich during that time because (laughs) it was the toughest thing that I had ever done in my life Mm -hmm. writing, writing that it was hard to see at times because I was crying and I was, I had to go back and correct all my errors, but hopefully it helps others understand. I think the most beautiful thing that you're doing, I think it's twofold. One, it's a form of self-feeling for you you know, to go through, you know, to be able to express all of that and to serve others just as what you've been doing, you know, this whole time. So I think for me, it's part of why I love what I do with podcasting and uh, amplifying our stories and resources for military families, because, you know, I think about my background as a gold star daughter and how much I lacked uh, growing up. And it was really only in the recent years that I understood what gold star families, what the definition was. I didn't identify with that till recently. And through that process, I've been able to find my own self-healing and being able to help others with my own story. So, so Jerry, thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm sure people will be very interested in getting your dissertation. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Jenny Lynn, I just want to check in with you, see if you had any thoughts about anything that Jerry shared. I have a lot of feelings. I don't know that I have any like solidified thoughts that are going to come out of my mouth. I have a lot of feelings about what Jerry said. Um, You know, there's always the differences in active duty communities, reserve communities, and National Guard. There are differences and there are, but there are far more similarities. And so, you know, many of the things she spoke about are things that I have either personally experienced in the active duty community or have friends, um, that have and I, I have a very similar outlook as Jerry is like, hey, let's sit down and have coffee. Let's talk about it. Like we also keep Kleenex in business here in California a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I found that the more that I talk about the experiences I've had, the more willing other people are. And that's what gets people the help they need, which is yeah. how I ended up becoming an outreach coordinator for a mental health clinic because of my own experience and mm-hmm. with TBI and PTSD, you know, so grateful for the work you do. I love that you call yourself a mentor and continue to mentor those coming up. I think that has been the greatest gift 
of being um, an active duty spouse is the mentors that I've had in the community to bring me along as we've done this life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to say, you know, to you, thank you for all you do, Jenny, and you too, Jen, because I think it's so important. And it's kind of like, you know, we continue service, right? We have kind of this service before and now this continued service that we keep on doing and it does make a difference. It really does. So I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much. And I was just thinking that through everything you shared, you really give off this feeling of validation and acceptance of like, you know, you are a military caregiver because of A, B, and C. Like don't discount like the sacrifices that you gave, you know, that you have made you know, for the family, for the service and everything. So I love it. Well, Jerry, I think we had a fantastic conversation today. I felt very heartfelt. Like I feel, I feel full (laughs) in in my heart right now. I feel really good. For people that want to seek out your mentorship or they want to learn more about your dissertation, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find you? Yeah. So they can find me on LinkedIn. It's Jerry Lynn Stroby Maples on LinkedIn, or feel free to email me at gmaples at bluestarfam.org. And that is my Blue Star family's email address. So they can most welcome do that. Either way is fine. But probably the easiest way is is on my LinkedIn. And then we can connect right away and, and start a conversation. So I welcome them to do that. I'm here to help. I'm here to align and network. <laughs> yeah. And it's easier now because we're all at home. So yes. <laughs> we can all just jump on a Zoom call. <laughs> yes, yes. We will all be... I'll be available via Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I love it, Jerry. Well, Jerry, thank you again so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here and just connecting with you and knowing that there are people like you that exist in our community. So thank you again for your presence and for being here. Uh, Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. And to Jenny Lynn, thank you for co-hosting with me as always. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Love being here. Yeah. And to our listeners, if you need, if you want to get Jerry's contact information that will be provided in the show notes, as well as on our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. With that said, we want to thank you all so much for listening. We hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. With that said, we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.